Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Biz Queen podcast. Today, my beautiful, fabulous, literally, quite literally, most amazing person I know on the internet, virtually know on the internet, is Morgan. And she is a, well, do you know what, Morgan? I'm going to let you introduce yourself in a second. If you guys stick around until the end, um, Morgan actually has two gifts to give you because she's just like such a giver. So are you ready? You can just tell us a little bit about your backstory, a little Tinder bio of what you do, all of that sort of jazz. Um, Because I know that like every single word that's about to come out of Morgan's mouth is going to be gold. So I hope you guys have a notepad and pen, preferably a pink fluffy pen to write a shit ton of notes because you're going to need it. You're probably going to need to pause this episode a million times, but like, okay, I've hyped you up a bit too much now, haven't I? Yeah, what the heck? She set the bar too high for me. Oh my God. Thank you for the amazing intro. Um, She is right. If you guys do end up staying at the end of the podcast, uh, I've got a couple things I'd love to share with you. I think they'll help you out a ton. Um, But yeah, to give you the my my quick Tinder bio, um, I just help coaches sign clients on Instagram. Like that is literally in the simplest form. Like all I do, um, I help coaches that want to hit 10K months um, use Instagram to do it. And And my whole thing is, I mean, I guess... I kind of do it authentically. Like I don't really put out a lot of facades. Um, I'm very just like, you know, what you see is what you get. And that's kind of how I like to teach things being very authentic, very genuine. Um, and yeah, how much do you want me to go into the backstory? Like, what do you want to know? I mean, so I love that you will definitely dive into the authenticity side of your content creation. Cause I just think that that is absolute gold. I think that it's something you do so well, But I think actually like you've got a crazy backstory as well of just how you kind of came to be where you are right now. And I think, you know, you've shared a lot on your Instagram about the the honesty of being, you know, essentially a broke coach. I'm going to use your terms. But, you know, you were a broke coach. You had, you know, part time jobs, I think, or even full time jobs whilst you were building. You did a shit ton of qualifications. You did all the things to just like make sure you were the perfect coach for your people. And you found it really difficult to sign clients until something clicked. And I would just, I want to not, you know, go into it. Let's explore that a little bit further. Yeah, totally. There's probably lots to unpack in here. Um, So yeah, I would just say like, I, you know, I did, did not even know coaching was a thing at one point, like in 2014, I had no idea that coaching was a thing. Um, I was in engineering at the time and the only thing that started to cross my mind is like, you know, I can kind of see if I keep going down this path, like, I think I'm climbing a ladder I don't really want to get to the top of. And I was like, um, I don't think I'm going to be happy. Like this, I'm going to make really good money. It would be great that I had six figures a year. And like, you know, the whole white picket fence life was all kind of laid out in front of me. But I was like, I think my soul's going to die if I keep going in this, you know, direction. Um, and so I had no idea what I wanted to do. The only thing I knew is that I was like, I was one of those CrossFitters. Like I was obsessed with that at the time. Um, and so I had been listening to this, this podcast, you know, Barbell Shrugged, by the way, you ever hear those guys? Yeah. I haven't listened to, I haven't heard of anything, but I've heard the name. Got it. So like back in 2014, like before, honestly, like online coaching was like really a big, like big at all. Um, they had an online coaching business and they were making money, like traveling Mm -hmm. around, uh, selling online fitness programs and just podcasting with people and having a great time. And I was like, I want that. And I was like, how do I learn how to get that? Uh, and so I was just like, you know what? Uh, I like called my mom one day and I was just like, I, um, am going to drop out of engineering and I'm going to move to Memphis, Tennessee, like, you know, go to a different country, uh, to work for free, uh, not getting paid for these guys I found on YouTube. Cause 
I want to know what they're doing. And so that was like the crazy thing that like started it all. Um, but it was just a desire, I think, like to do work that I really loved and that I was really passionate about. And I knew it wasn't engineering. And I think I had this like desire to like really want to build my own thing. Um, so anyways, long story short, um, I worked for those guys. I, I worked at their CrossFit gym in 2014. Then eventually they brought me on as a social media manager. That's when I learned about like online business and funnels and all the things in the back end. Um, while I was doing that, I ended up getting, I think I got like quadruple certified um, in coaching, which is probably what you're referring to. Yes. Um, so I had like my CrossFit cert, precision nutrition, uh, health coaching certification at, at IIN, licensed primary sports nutrition, had all the things. Uh, and then to some degree, like I did have some experience like building online business, like I ran social media for them and stuff like that. Um, but I still like, you know, I, I went out kind of on my own. That was like probably 2016. And I was honestly on struggle street for like, for like four years. Like I was like, you know, I had left, I wasn't working with them. I started waiting tables, I think in 2016 and like, you know, building my coaching business on the side. Um, and I wasn't full-time until 2020. Like it was like four years of like, you know, just trying to figure it out myself, which if I could go back, I would totally change. Um, but yeah, it was just like four years of struggle street, like trying to figure out how to get clients. And then once I figured it out, I figured it out in a really big way. And I went from making like thousand dollars a month to manifesting my first twenty thousand dollar month and at yeah. that point i was like holy freaking crap like it like blew like everything out of the water and i was like wow like i need to teach other people like how to do this and so that's kind of like that's kind of like how i got on this path if that makes sense yes oh my god do you know what there's already so much that i'm like i wish i just wrote a few notes to be like yeah, okay we need to unpack that we need to unpack that but i think just like yeah. a, the biggest overall thing for this for me especially is like it, it sh you are living proof right now. I mean, you've just hit, I know you did a 100K month. You had a multi six-figure year last year. You know, you are no longer that struggling coach. And it was all because you changed the way that you speak to your people and the way that you market your business. And I think that is such proof that like you can get all the qualifications in, you know, how to be a better coach and how to be better at nutrition and training and all this sort of stuff. But like, you can't build a business unless you work on those business, you know, the actual business side of it, right? Which nobody teach, teach, and I can teaches you and I think that a huge lesson in this is that it's learnable because you started off oh. having no clue about this and I think so many coaches get lost in the fact that like oh my god but all of these people are so good at you know messaging and marketing and knowing who they're speaking to and creating juicy content and that's why they're gonna you know that's why they're smashing it and that's why I'll never be like that because I'm just no good at this that the other content creation sales all this and it's like you're just you're, you're such proof that like messaging, marketing, lead gen, sales, these are all learnable skills. So tell me what that switch was for you, where you went from having no clue about this stuff, you know, really struggling for those four years to all of a sudden you had that light bulb moment. You had that thing that just clicked everything into place and you made that 20K month. Walk me through like, yeah. what was that moment? So this is good. And I actually don't know if I've shared this on a podcast. Um, oh, we're I getting a tea here fast. <laughs> yeah, you're getting the tea first. She's gonna get in the tea, y'all. You guys have the perfect <laughs> podcast interviewer. Um, it's funny though. Somebody asked me this because I think I shared the the other day on my stories that I, you know, I was like, oh, I should probably celebrate that I hit 100k month or 120k month or whatever uh, sales month. And um, she was like, what flipped the switch for you? I'm like, what do you mean? What flipped the switch? She's like, well, like what flipped the switch from being a broke coach to where you are? And I was like, yeah, I should probably talk about that. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about it now. Um, 
but basically like I would say where I really noticed things started to shift. And this is something I really, um, I really want to like hit on for people. Like I really want you, like, I really want you to take this away, you know? Um, but I think, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, um, I, I was trying to do a lot of things on my own. I really was like, I was, I'm very stubborn. I don't know what this is. My mom's super stubborn. I'm a Scorpio. I don't have something to do with that. Um, but like, I am very stubborn. And in my mind, I was like, I should be smart enough. Like I was smart enough to get really great grades in engineering. Like I should be smart enough to figure this out myself. Like, and I'm also like, like, this is a belief. We should unpack this later. This is a belief that I really had to undo, but like, I had a very hard time investing in myself. Like I had a very hard time. I'm extremely, extremely frugal. And I think this is because of how I grew up and like, just like how my parents raised me, what I learned from them. And that's been incredible in a lot of ways. I'm very good at saving money. Right. Um, but that really held me back in a lot of ways. And so I think like 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, honestly, I really didn't invest in any sort of like mentorship or any sort of guidance. I had invested in certs in like learning how to coach. Yes. But I didn't invest anything in the marketing or the business side of things. And so I think truly what shifted for me um, I, I reflected on this before and I almost call it like, it was like this trifecta of things that shifted is like the three C's. Um, but in October, number one, I got my first mindset and business coach. And that was huge because that helped me work through a lot of the mindset patterns. Like, like I'm, I don't overthink a lot right now. Like I'm very, very action uh, oriented. I don't get stuck up here a lot. I'm very much out in the 3d taking action, Yeah. but I, I used to be the complete opposite. And she changed that for me. Like we had to work on the imposter syndrome, the perfection, the, uh, you know, all that mindset stuff. And I think that was a huge shift. So that was one thing was getting a coach. That's like C number one. Another C is a course. So at that same time, do you know who Danielle Leslie is? Yes. You know her? Yeah. Do you know who, who she is? The course lady. So in, a, I think it was like October of 2019 or something like that, but I invested, this was the first program I ever invested. And in. I think it was like two or three K to invest just in her online course. It was like how to build a course, which wow. honestly wasn't the right investment for me to make at the time, Yeah, but I made the investment regardless. Like that wasn't really what I needed, but I didn't know what I needed. So I made that investment. Um, and I think that was the, like one, they were just one of the first times I actually had skin in the game where I was not treating my business anymore. Like it almost signified like, Hey, I'm not treating my business like a hobby anymore. Yeah. I have real skin in the game, I have real money in the game with this. And so I guess one thing was a, a, a coach. One thing was a course. And then the other thing, um, I guess, well, I guess the third C is a community. Like I joined a mastermind as well, but what really happened too, was around that same time, um, that I, I ended up working, um, well, I guess I joined, I joined a co-working space. So I started surrounding myself with people. That's like the third thing is like community, right? Started surrounding myself with people that were like going in the same direction. Um, and then I think what really like moved the needle for me. So all those things were started to happen. I started to move forward, et cetera, but I ended up getting hired at this company as a, uh, lead generation strategist. So I was getting okay enough at the lead generation stuff from moving through my crap with the coach and the community and the course and whatever. Um, that somebody kind of noticed and they're like, okay, you're actually reasonably good at this, this lead gen stuff. And they're like, we kind of need you for our company. Like we need someone who can do this. And I was like, well, I've been waiting tables forever. This is honestly going to be a huge pay cut um, because ah. it was a startup. Right. But I was like, uh, 
you know what? I'm going to do it. And my, honestly, my coach was the one who convinced me to do it. I was going to turn it down, but she was like, I think you should do this. And so I did it. I listened, I went in and I did that for three months. Um, and really like what I learned was lead gen. Like I learned how to take people who didn't know us. Like my only job on the team was to take people who didn't know us from social media, uh, like cold leads from social media to get them to book a sales call with our team. And that's when a lot of what I've been learning, even in the course and stuff like that, um, and they put me through some training programs, et cetera, whatever. But that's all I did like all day for three months. And so I learned that lead gen thing. But again, I never wanted to build somebody else's. Can I can I swear in this podcast? OK, yeah. <laughs> OK, well, and I won't even go crazy by drop a lot of phones, but I didn't want to build someone else's shit anymore. Like I just yeah. I never wanted to really do that. I want to build my own stuff. And so I think what happened was I uh, I ended up leaving that job when that contract was up after three months and I went on on my own and like I would say. Uh, a month later, I was in scarcity mode because I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't even know how I'm going to pay rent. And then a month later, COVID happened. And then I was like, oh, my God, like mm -hmm. nobody is spending money right now. The stock market is crashing. I can't even go back to a restaurant and get a job because there literally are no jobs. And then basically what happened was like my back was just up against the wall. And I literally had no other options. Like I had burned all the boats. There was nothing for me to go back to. And I was like, the only thing I can do right now is use Instagram and apply the skills that I have. And so I ended up writing like 20 grand on a sticky note, which was like literal pure insanity for me. And I just put it in front of me and I was like, okay, every single day we're going to align with this. We're going to take the action. I was listening to, you know, manifesting podcasts on repeat. Like I was basically brainwashing myself every single day thinking that I was going to make this money. And I just took the action and applied every skill that I've been creating up to that point to Instagram. And that's when I manifested that first 20 K month. And that's when I was like, holy crap, like I have to teach this. And so that, that was like, that was the big shift. Honestly, I think there was some pre-work, if you will, with yeah. getting a mentor and working through some shit. I think there was some pre-work on, you know, going through a course and learning some stuff, working at a job and learning some stuff, starting to surround myself with community and people who were like, I joined in that co-working space. So there was some pre-work, but I think that the moment, like the, as my, my mom would describe it, like the shit or get off the pot moment was like, when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to pay rent and I had nothing to go back to, to generate income. And it just forced me to do the freaking work. And yeah. that's like the strategy that I teach now. Like that's where that manifested from. Like I just created it because I needed to create it. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And you know what? I love this because it's like, I feel like you are like a, such a positive action taker. Every move you make to me, feels like it comes from a let's just see what's possible kind of vibe. Like, let's just see how big we can go kind of vibe. And so to hear that actually like so many of your like mini moments, let's call them, where it was really like a, a stick or shift situation is like you actually, you didn't seem to let those things swallow you up and make you feel incapable or make you worry. Oh my God, like, I don't think this is going to work for me. I feel like how many of those moments involved self-doubt versus just like the rest of the world is burning. Let's make the most of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we should talk about this because I just filmed a reel about this. Like those moments absolutely happened for me. Like those moments where I started to go down scarcity lane and freak out and be stressed and anxious and worried and worried about how like those moments absolutely happened. But I think I literally remember sitting on my sofa one day and thinking to myself, okay, I have the awareness that my brain is going down scarcity lane right now. 
And because of the work that I did with this mindset and business coach who was very big into manifesting and energy and Abraham Hicks and like all that stuff, right? I was like, I now have the awareness to know if I leave my mind on this, I will create that reality. And I was like, oh God, that's really frightening. Like I can feel it. Like I can feel the chills right now, right? And I was like, okay, I can't leave my mindset here. If I don't want to drown, I have to bring my awareness to what I want. And I have to take action on that relentlessly. And so in that time when literally it seemed like, because we didn't know what was going to happen with the COVID stuff. Like all I could see is the stock market's going down. No one was spending money on Facebook ads. Like all I could see in that moment was like, nobody was outside. Like it was like, yeah. it was like, oh my God, what is happening, right? Like the world is going to crash. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, um, I basically just made a decision. And I was like, some people think that the world is ending right now. And maybe it is. Doesn't really matter to me. I don't care. I'm not entertaining any thought in my life that's going to be over here. If somebody wants to say why this isn't going to work, cool. That's not for me. And I literally just put my blinders on. That's actually something that she told me to do is like, put your blinders on. And it was like, I am looking right. I will not look left. If you're looking left, cool, that's fine. But I'm not with you. I'm going this way. This is the only way that I'm going. And like, that is something that you have to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is so big because I know that there are so many queens listening to this podcast that are spiraling in self-doubt mode, that are thinking they're not cut out to be a coach, that are thinking maybe, you know, I should just go back to a nine to five and sack it all in because like, I know I'm a great coach, but they're just like, there's a brick wall between them and their clients. And I think like the, you're so, so right in being able to just put those blinders on and like not disregard the shit and all the sucky mindset or the things that are tearing you down, but not let them take over you know, your next move, not let them dictate what you do next. And I think it's very difficult for, for a lot of coaches to, to see, to see through that and to say, no, 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 like, okay, cool. Those thoughts get to be there, but I'm not going to let them make my decision for me. How do you, how do, and I guess you probably like, cause I think a lot of the moves you make now are really, you know, very strategic moves. You are so like, business driven like goal focused you're an action taker like you do the shit that needs to get done how do you like aside from obviously being able to just put those blinders on how do you just like not let those thoughts take over walk me through how that even you know how you can can not have those self-doubts imposter syndrome all of those things creep in Totally. And I will literally give you the three-step process like this is the three-step process for you AFA so awareness focus, action. Yes. Those are, that's the three-step process. So number one, what you need, and it's honestly, it's hard to catch yourself in this sometimes. You're, you'll like, But the way that you'll catch yourself is you'll know that you're feeling like crap. But number one is awareness. You need to become aware that you are thinking a thought and the thought is on the worst case scenario. The thought is on, what if I can't pay rent? What if the, nobody signs up? What if, what if, what if, what if, right? Like it's just, it's all on the most negative scenario. And because you're leaving your mind on that thought, you'll be able to tell. The hack to tell what you're thinking is emotionally, you feel like shit. You're anxious, you're stressed, you're worried. So anytime that you feel anxious, stressed, worried, doubtful, whatever, check in with yourself. Cool. What thought am I thinking right now? That's piece one. It's awareness. You have to become aware that you're thinking the wrong stuff. Piece two, once you have that awareness, is focus. You have to change your point of focus. So if you're worried right now that you can't pay rent next month, okay, great. But like, what do you want? Do you even know what you want? Like, what's the best case scenario? What do you want? Do you want to sign five clients next month? Do you want to sell out your 15 person launch? Like paint me a picture. Like what's the ideal thing? Write it down. Like you have to know what you're focused on. 
And Tony Robbins will say this, right? Like where focus goes, energy flows. And so that's number two is you have to know what desired reality do you want to create? That's the F piece. And then A is action, right? Uh, You actually, once you know what you want, you should be asking yourself a more empowering question, which is like, okay, what resources do I have available to me right now to create that? What action do I think I could take that will get me closer? What are my biggest opportunities right now, right? How could I manifest a 10K month? When you start asking yourself questions like that, it forces you to think on that, like the proper focus, right? And when you ask yourself questions like that and you start taking the action, you will get there. Like for me, whenever I feel anxious, I'm like, action is the antidote. Very hard to feel anxious when you're taking action toward the thing. And once you start taking the action, you create momentum and your brain can start seeing that this thing that you want is manifesting. But if you leave it over here and you're focused on what you don't want, you're just, you're just, you get paralyzed in fear and you get stuck there. And so the biggest thing is like, number one is awareness. So become aware that you're thinking the wrong stuff and you'll know because you're, you will feel like crap. Right. And then it's like, okay, focus. How do I set a new focus on what I actually want? You have to actually be able to write this down. And then number three, ask yourself those empowering questions, figure out what you could do to create that result and go take the actions. Very hard to be anxious when you're taking action on the thing that you want. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm so obsessed with this because this is totally it. And you know what? It's that last A that people don't do. You know, they they know that they're talking shit to themselves. They know that they've got all of these fears, doubts, worries, you know, questions, what ifs coming up in their mind. And they are trying to go, right, well, I just need to focus on getting more clients through the door. I just need to focus on creating content that sells and, you know, all of this stuff. But what they miss is actually jumping into problem solving mode. So instead of sitting in the, they kind of tell themselves the questions, but as judgments. So that that action, all of those questions that you just asked yourself, it's like they they tell they ask themselves those questions, but they're in judgment mode instead of problem solving mode. And so they go, oh, why can't I just get those ten clients? Or where am I gonna get those ten clients? It's like instead of judging yourself with with that criticism, say, great, where am I gonna get those ten clients? curiosity hello problem solving now we can answer the question to take that action so I'm freaking obsessed with that mini little framework I think that is just absolute gold and I think you're so right like take action I think that's the if you take anything away from this podcast let it be to just actually start doing the shit and even if you don't know if it's the right move like make the decision I was saying on a um I was watching do you know Emily in Paris is that like it's on Netflix no I, I'm so, I was gonna say Netflix. I'm so like out of the loop with like anything in over in like the states Canada anywhere like that but there's basically a program called Emily in Paris it was my little guilty pleasure that I was watching last night I was trying to switch off from work mode and in it she she's in a French lesson this is such a boring story but she's in a French lesson and on the board in French but I can't speak French so I'm going to translate it in English it was like to mm-hmm. um to not choose is still choosing And like that just like, it was because it was a really fit guy that said it, but I was like, oh my God, that's my, that's blowing my mind. And like, I've heard this quite a million times before, but it actually blew my mind because I was like, yes, like every single time I sit and I wait on a decision and I don't make the decision because I'm a little bit scared that it's not going to go right. Or I'm worried that my program's not going to sell out. So I just don't launch it. It's like every time you don't make the decision to move, you are actively making the choice against building your business against signing the next client. Every time you're scared to show up on stories so you just don't do anything, 
you're actively saying to yourself, I don't want to get that client. I don't want to make the sale. I don't want to talk about my offers. How do you make sure that you are like showing up consistently, even when those little moments of like, oh God, I haven't signed a client in a while or, you know, those things, I'm sure you get them far and few between nowadays. But back when you were mm-hmm. first getting started and maybe you were either hearing a bunch of no's or you weren't getting a lot of traction yet, you maybe hadn't built up a lot of connection or trust yet with your audience. How did you like unapologetically keep showing up and, and promoting your offers to make sure you started getting those yeses? So I think like one big thing that I, I do want to almost like come back to, because I think this is really good for people to hear is like, this still happens to me. Like this still happens to me. You know, if I like many times I'm not perfect. You know, if I, maybe I saw like in March, just to give you an example in March, I signed, you know, a bunch of clients. Right. And what happened was I signed a lot of people at once. And then I got, I had to do a lot of fulfillment because I had signed so many people at one given time. Right. And so what happened? I was doing less content, less lead gen, less engagement. Right. And I wasn't talking about my offer to be honest, because I had nothing to sell. I was waitlisted. Right. Yeah. Um, But like, you know, that stuff happens and you lose a little bit of momentum. Right. And so even still, like I was like two weeks ago, I was like, oh yeah, all my clients are going to turn over. Like I need to really get back into sales mode. Like, and I, I was like, the same thing happened. It's like, it happens at every level of the game. Right. But I'm like, oh, I see what's going on here. I'm, I'm stressed about, you know, whatever. What if nobody signs up in June or whatever. Right. Um, and same things. Okay. Awareness. What do you want? Well, I want this. Okay, cool. What do we need to do to do that? And boom, now I, showed up, I took the action, stopped worrying about it. And there's tons of inquiries. I'm like, yeah, these bots are going to be gone for sure. You know what I mean? So like at every level, just for the record, this does actually happen. Like the the first time was in 2020. I remember at one point in 2021, a year, a year later, I like, you know, I, I had had a really, I came out off like a 30,000 or $40,000 launch. Like it was amazing. And then a couple months later I had slacked a little on my lead gen and stuff. And then I had to sell out a program. I had hired a bunch of different mentors. I honestly hired too many mentors at once. And my cash flow was like, oh my God, my cash flow is going to be like negative $10,000 a month. Yeah. I don't like, yeah. you know, sign a bunch of clients. And like, I was broken out. Like my face was broken out, like stress acne. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, you know, uh, this, this, if you're feeling like this ever, I just want you to know that that's so normal. Like it's a part of being an entrepreneur. You don't have a guaranteed paycheck. That's fine. Um, but if I could give you two lessons from this is like, one is that framework. And two, it's, you know, don't slack on the lead gen. Like the lead gen and the conversations that you're having today will be the clients you sign next month or three months from now. So yes. just a side note for people to know that part of the reason you're in that scenario is because somewhere previously, a couple months prior, you weren't doing the inputs, if that makes sense, to get the outputs. Oh Does that God. make sense? Yes, yeah, so bad. And like, honestly, new level, new devil. Like, that's just what I always tell right. myself. I'm like, new, le- new level, new devil when I'm crying into my Ben and Jerry's because like, I'm having a terrible time. Yeah. And I think that it's just, it's so true. And I think we get this false sense of security that when, you know, when I can just hit my first 10K month, then I won't have to worry about money anymore. And I'm like, I remember, I think I hit a 20K month And literally about a week and a half, I reckon it was later, I was sitting there going, oh shit, like, I don't think I'm going to have enough money to do this. And uh, like, I was, I was, I was more worried about money at 20K a month than I was at 2K a month. And I'm like, this is the thing It's you, you just like, you learn and you grow and you evolve and you tweak and you keep learning this shit. 
but it will come up at every single stage. So I love that you're so open about that. And like, you know, we're not perfect. We're all human. And we all have these like moments of those wobbles. But one thing, and I I feel like we've kind of, we will circle back, I I promise. But there was one thing that you said, um, when you said about lead gen and you said, you know, if you are not getting the inquiries now, it's because a couple of months ago, you slapped on that lead gen. And I think this is, we have this, um, idea that if we just like show up now after ghosting Instagram for a few weeks and start selling our offers or start promoting our thing or just you know start selling our shit without actually doing that warming up or that nurturing or that you know connecting with people and just like speaking to your audience and like putting out value and doing all of the stuff that you know we go on about every single day in in, as a business coach like if we just show up and sell our shit people are gonna buy And I think that's so like, we've got to start being okay with the fact that like this process can be drawn out. It's not an overnight thing. You sell your offer one day and the next day, 10 people buy. It's like, this happens over time. And it's an accumulation of that momentum you're building of that, you know, the lead generation, the messaging, like getting all of those things, getting all your ducks in a row. Do you know what I mean? Getting all the things right to be able to start Mm -hmm. consistently signing those clients. And I think that's something that we forget. How do you make sure that you are like prioritizing lead generation in your, on your Instagram? Yeah, totally. And this, this actually circles back around to the question that you, you kind of asked before. I think we kind of almost went, you know, around that one too, but this is coming back to the same thing is like, you have to know, like, what are the inputs that you're putting into the system and, and what outputs, like if you, if if you want to sign clients or sell at a launch, cool, that's an output, that's an outcome goal. Right. But what are the inputs that have to go in to achieve that output, right? Like what are the behaviors you have to take? Um, I forget which, I forget which book this is from, but there's, um, there's a, there's a book. So I used to work in the restaurant industry and they would talk about like lead measures and lag measures. A lag measure like is, is, is how much revenue the restaurant's bringing in. Right. But a lead measure is like, you know, how quickly were we greeting the guests and how, you know, um, I don't know, like different things like that, where they're they're more behavior based. Right. Mm -hmm. So like an example of this is, you know, if you want to lose 20 pounds, okay, that's an outcome goal, right? But like, what are the behaviors, the inputs that go into achieving that output? What's like, well, how many times a week do you go to the gym? Like, did you get two liters of water every day? Like how many steps did you take every day? Did you, you know, track your calories and your macros, right? Like all these things, they're the behaviors that we actually have control over. And so what people need to do really is get clear on like, okay, what's the outcome goal that I want? And what are the inputs I have to do consistently to get me there, right? So on Instagram, it's going to be very few things. Like now some people listen to this podcast are not going to be able to see this, but this is like literally the thing that I have on my on my desk like every day. And it's like, okay, did you post content, valuable feed content to get visibility? Cool. Did you post on your stories? Probably something about your personal life and your offer, right? And then are you having conversations with people? Like those are the few inputs that matter. Um, Like I call them like the three C's, right? So you have content, you have conversations, and then you have clients. Like you have to take care of your clients. If your clients aren't doing well, then you're going to (laughs) hate selling your thing because you're going to feel shitty about it. And you should because you're not giving your clients a great experience, right? Um, But there's very few levers you can pull on Instagram. You post on your feed, you post on your stories, or, you know, you're, you're having conversations with people. And so like, those are the things that for me, it's like, I need to be doing these things every day. Did I post content today? Did I post something that was valuable? Did I go on my stories and maybe share a little bit about me and also talk about my offer, which is key. A lot of people aren't doing that. Uh, I left a lot of money on the table by not doing that. And then number three, like, are you 
talking with people in the DMs. Those are really the only three levers you have to pull on Instagram in terms of moving people from a cold to a warm to a hot lead faster. Yes. And I think that actually a lot of people forget that it really just comes down to those three basics of being able to like communicate with people on Instagram. Hello. It's a, you know, it's an engagement platform. We want to create conversations on that. But also I think that, I think people are really, especially coaches, I think that the content creation side of being a coach is really tricky for a lot of coaches because it's like, I think they get in their own heads so often and think, oh my God, I need Mm -hmm. to be providing, you know, valuable, educational, inspiring, emotional, all of this type of content. I think this is something that you actually do so seamlessly and so authentically where it doesn't feel sleazy. It doesn't feel pushy. It doesn't feel like, you know, when I'm watching your stories, I'm like, she's not selling to me. She's just having a conversation with me. And like, it's a chat with my bestie. And that's how like, that's how you should be showing up on Instagram is just treating it like you're just chatting to your best friend, treating it like you are just having a conversation with someone. And I love the way that you do it. I think it's just perfect because it creates so much connection with people. Like I already thought, like I'm already sitting there, like we're best friends and we've only spoken like, well, a handful of times in the DMs now. We are now best friends for the record. But like, even when I didn't even like, hadn't even spoken to you in the DMs before, it was like, I felt like you were my friend. And I think that's that's the key to making people just fall in love with your vibe and therefore what you have to offer and actually listen to what you have to say. How do you go about your your content creation process to make sure that happens so that you are showing up authentically? You are just like showing people your heart and letting people know how to work with you instead of it feeling pushy, salesy, inauthentic. Yeah, totally. This is a great question. And it's it's one that makes me like, you'll see me like looking up because I'm, th- I'm thinking is really what I'm doing. Um, I would say like in terms of feed content, I think one of the biggest things for me is I am a very big believer in keeping things simple. I don't do content that's overly produced. Almost every single piece of content that I do, I'm literally just out on a walk and I'm, I literally just think of things that I'm working with my clients on or something along those lines or something that could help somebody. Right. And I'm just like, okay, that's a valuable idea. How do I share that? And then I think to myself, okay, well, Number one, I need to pull them in with a good hook and a headline. So I'm like, how could I write this in hook or headline form? So I literally think about that. And the first word that comes out of my mouth when I create film that reel, let's say if I'm doing it on a walk, is the hook or the headline. And I just tell them what I'm going to tell them, which is literally like the only thought that's in my head is like, how do I serve somebody right now? And then you forget about making it perfect and, you know, how you look and whatever, because you don't care. Your focus isn't on you. It's on the other person who's going to consume the thing, right? Just put your focus on them is the easiest thing and then make a call to action, right? And so I think like, I just think maybe one of the things that makes it come across a little more that way is like when I do film content, it's not overly produced. I don't need to look perfect. I don't need to have 25,000 different outfit changes. When I write carousels or reels, I talk literally in the the carousel how I would talk to a friend like you'll see I'll write be like lol or whatever yeah, I do right? yeah, I'll, like, just, too, yeah I'll just I literally write exactly how I'm thinking you know so there it there's no like it's like I am talking to a friend because that's how I feel and then I think on stories you know um I am a very big believer that stories should serve two main purposes and one of them is to build connection with people um like think about this there's a there's I really truly think like there's one app that gets connected on Tinder. The one app that you can connect on Tinder, well, I mean, I guess there's Spotify, but it's Instagram, 
Why do you think that is? I think it's because it builds connection way faster than any other freaking platform. And part of why I think that is, is stories. You can really see who is Morgan, uh, you know, behind the content. Like, what else do you do? You'll see me mountain bike, or you'll see me working out, or you'll see me punching Bob or whatever I'm doing, right? So I think like showing people a little bit of that behind the scenes, like it gives people a less polished, polished version of you. So I think that's a big thing on stories. Like that's how you maybe, in my opinion, how you're more authentic on stories. You can also do polls and stuff like that and start conversations with people. That's a great way to engage with people and show them that you're approachable. And then same within the DMs. Like I just talk to people like they're a friend, you know, cause they are like, there's tons of people that I've met through Instagram that I am now friends with in real life or clients that I've worked with that I'm now friends with in real life. Cause like, I don't know, that's, that's just the vibe. So does that help? Does that, uh, like if we cover the, you know, the feed and the stories, like what I'm thinking about when I'm doing feed, what I'm thinking about when I'm doing stories and like kind of the vibe in the DMS, does that help? Oh my God. Like, I'm like, you just ticked off every single question that I had here in, in like one answer. So I'm obsessed with that. I think that's right. so perfect, but I think let's go deeper actually, because you mentioned the hook and the headline is like the first thing you do. And we all know that if you can't get past the headline, nothing else matters. Like n- the rest of the copy that you, you know, the post that you worked so hard to write, it mm-hmm. literally doesn't matter. Like, because it, there's no point in it even being there if you can't get past the headline. How do you come up with that perfect headline? I know you said that the very first thing you do, it like the very first thing you say is that hook or the headline that's just basically what you want that person to know. But what goes into writing the perfect hook or headline that will encourage that reader to keep reading or keep watching so that they can get the value that you've got to say? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple different things because really what we're getting into is like copywriting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the three biggest things I think of when I'm writing a hook or a headline is number one, you have to solve some sort of problem or offer some sort of benefit. Why do they care? If your hook or headline is, hey guys, like no one gives a shit, honestly, no one cares. Like they don't uh, care. Yeah. Like, it's my they want to know, right. Like, how are you going to solve a problem for them? If you want more clients, whatever thing, right? Three tips to lose fat, like whatever it is, but it's like, it has to solve some sort of problem or offer some sort of benefit, right? It has to be valuable just from them listening to the hook. That should be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. You have like three seconds to do it. So don't say anything other than that in the first sentence, right? Um, The second thing I would say is if you can evoke curiosity, that is great because we're, we just want to know. We're like, like, I don't know. Like if I said uh, the three things that helped me make $68,927 you know, in the last 14 days, you're like, what are the three things? Tell yeah. me the three things. Like I need to know. Right. And th- what's the benefit in there? It's it's income. It's it's clients. It's money. Right. Um, and then there's curiosity because you're like, what are the things? And then my third tip would be if you can make it really specific, the more specific you make it, the more believable it is. If you're like, how to sign clients on Instagram. Okay, cool. It does offer a benefit, but it's pretty general, you know? Yeah. But if I say how I made $68,527 in the last 14 days using Instagram stories, maybe, right? You're like, mm. well, that's pretty specific. And so it instantly makes it so much more believable. So, you know, even if you can say, instead of like, you know, um, here are some tips for fat loss, seven tips for fat loss. Even if you can put a number in there, that is like really helpful. Yes. So that's what I'd say for headlines. 
Yeah. Okay. Lo- I, I just super love this. Can I add one quick hack? Yeah. This is like, I, I partially hate this hack, but I partially love it. It's just like oh, how humans' brains are wired, but we are twice as motivated to avoid pain as yes. we are to sleep, seek pleasure. So here's just a really tangible example for you. Um, I did a real series. I think this was last year. I did a real series and the headline was avoid these sales call mistakes, part one. Avoid these sales call mistakes, part two. And what it had at the end was like a skull and crossbones. So what that really makes people think is like, oh, I don't want to make that mistake. Like, what's the thing I need? Like, it's like danger signs. Like, what do I need to avoid? Right. And people are strangely like twice as motivated to avoid pain as they are to seek pleasure. So if I were to have rewritten that headline as like, how to crush your next sales call, part one, I may have gotten less views from that. So as crappy as that sounds, here's the thing. You're still a good human. You're still solving the problem for them. It's just the way that you frame it is like, you know, avoid these sales call mistakes, part one versus how to crush your next sales call, part one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that, that real series alone was like a seven, um, like a seven part real series. And I think I made like, I think I, from that real series alone, it brought, brought in $10,000, which is crazy. Yeah. So just like a small hack too, like when you're writing headlines, if you can sort of flip them a little bit to the avoidance of something that sucks for people, that may also be very helpful. Yeah. And I think as well, the same is true in marketing in general with that kind of, I mean, people talk about pain points all the time and like really twisting the knife. And I, I, we all know on this podcast, like I'm definitely not a mean girl marketing vibe. But I completely agree in the fact that like you're here to remove people's pain more than you're here to like make people's worlds better from their perspective. Like we want to help people, you know, live their best life and feel amazing and all of that sort of stuff. But at the same time, like most people are so much more motivated to move away from pain than they are to go towards a positive goal. And so I think that's something that we can use in our marketing as well of being able to kind of say, you know, Here's, here's how to avoid this problem instead of here's how to achieve this goal. Um, how would totally. you do that in whilst keeping that sort of compassionate thread inside of it? So keeping it activating, keeping it empowering, keeping it um, mindful. And, you know, a lot of my coaches are compassionate coaches that, that uh, want to make a big impact. And I think it, they find that kind of fine line really tricky of like being able to hook mm. people in and capture their attention and, and you know, not clickbait or anything like that, but being able to kind of grab their attention in the world of people saying, you know, avoid carbs and like, you will die if you eat vegetables and, and broccoli. And do you know what I mean? It's like, there's such polarizing content out there. Like, how would you go about uh, showing a coach how to continue to be compassionate and empowering and also being able to keep grabbing attention as fast as the other people online. Yeah, totally. So the big thing here is like, you still want to be a good human and you still want to be highly ethical when you do it, right? It shouldn't be clickbaity. It shouldn't be like, I'm going to say this and trick you into that. Like it shouldn't be any of that stuff. But just for context, like what is more motivating for you, right? I'm going to teach you how to make, you know, $5,000 this month. You're going to make $5,000, right? Or um, you're going to get evicted from your apartment this month because you can't pay rent. That sounds like way more terrifying. You're like, oh God, like I, that is like a nightmare scenario. You're like, I do not want that. Whereas like making, making 5k a month. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to make extra money, but it just, it just, it's just different. Right. So I think the biggest thing is, uh, number one, like have the right intention. If it, 
no matter what you post, it should be the biggest thing is your intention. It should be coming from your heart space. You want to serve people, right? The only, the thing that you have to keep in mind is in order to serve people, you first need their attention. So the only reason that you're writing it in that way is to get their attention. Great. Now I have your attention. Cool. Let me deliver the value. Let me offer you this benefit. Let me solve the problem. So my headline may have said, avoid these sales call mistakes, part one, right? But then I was teaching them like how to set frames and how to answer objections and like how to properly flow a sales call so they can sign more clients, which still is like a total net positive benefit for them. Like I would love to sign more clients and, you know, double my sales call close rate and go from making 5K a month to 10K a month or whatever. Um, but it's just like having it come from the right place, having the right intention behind it. You're not fear mongering. You're just writing the headline in a different way that more accurately or like more effectively, I should say, like, you know, kind of gets their attention by being like, I know you have this problem. Let me give you the goods. Does that make sense? Yes, a hundred percent. I think, I think you're so right. Like getting people's attention in the first place is especially in the online world when like so many people are doing the same thing. It's like, I think we get trapped in wanting to stand out, but actually I think if you're, you're right, if your intention is there, if you're a good person, if you're a good coach and you've got a message to share with the world, like I think that that gets to speak louder, like the message that you get to share does speak louder than the tactics that you use or the, you know, the people that are doing the mean girl marketing. It's like, I think you'll stand out just by being empowering and just by being excited to share your message. And also mm. on a, on a totally separate note, which I feel like we could, should probably get into in a totally new episode, but having an offer that you're actually excited to sell. I think that is a huge side of this of like actually having having an offer and having like a message that you are excited to talk about and that you're inspired by. Because I think if that's not there, it's really difficult to get excited and show up and talk about your shit if you don't actually love the thing that you're doing in the first place, right? I would agree with that. Yes, 100%. Is there a question that comes with this? I was going to say, I'm like, I'm getting ready for the big Alex Formosi uh, name drop in here. But I, I, love I mean, it. we both know how much you and I secretly, but you like openly fangirl of Alex Hormozzi. Oh, yeah. I've already done a yeah. podcast episode talking about the value equation of creating, you know, an irresistible, mm -hmm. is, is, am I okay? An irresistible offer. Um, but I think as well, uh, the other side of that value equation, I talk about a lot of my clients of like, that gets to happen in your content too. So, you know, making mm -hmm. sure that the dream outcome in your content is elevated and you are speaking on that dream outcome, that you are really maximizing the, um, you, you know, like reward and the perceived value that they're going to get from that. And also mm -hmm. minimizing the time frame and minimizing the effort and the sacrifice that that has to make. And I think that that's like such a great framework to even just creating juicy ass content that actually sells those mm -hmm. offers for you as well. Um, and so I think it's a really powerful like marketing tool to come with it. But one thing that I want to ask you, I guess when it comes to like building an offer that really sells and that you are excited to show up for, what would you say is like the main thing to, to put into your offer to make sure that you are going to be excited to, to promote it? Yeah. So uh, one thing I'll just go back to, too, like what you said with that value equation, your content, absolutely. And people can't really see this, but basically it's like, what's the dream outcome for people? You want that to be high. What's the perceived likelihood of achievement? You want that to be high. And then you want time, effort and sacrifice to be low. Your content absolutely should try to solve all of those problems because your content is a mini 
version of your offer. Like that's literally what it is. So absolutely. Like you hit the nail so on the head. So I love that. Um, but in terms of like an offer that, what was the question? Like an offer that people really love or like an offer that they're really excited to sell? Yeah, both. So an offer that you are excited to talk about and that that is going to connect with your dream clients so that they buy from you. Yeah. I would say like the the biggest thing for me is you you need to solve a problem. You know, like what problem are we solving here for people? Um, so like example, I recently took on a client um, and he's in the the fitness space and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, why are people coming to you? Like, what are they, when they get on a phone call with you or like they approach you, like, what are they, what's the result they want? And we kind of drilled down and he's like, well, they usually want to lose about 10 to 20 pounds and they want to tone up and they want to be more fit. Maybe their doctor has talked to them and, uh, you know, um, they need to lose weight for whatever reason and, or who knows what the reason is. Right. I was like, okay, cool. So the problem that we're solving and we kind of went through like, you know, who's this for? Is it for women? Is it for men? Like how old are they? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we kind of landed on, okay, the problem that he's solving is he's going to help people lose 10 to 20 pounds in 90 days, or he'll work with them for free until they do like period, you know? And so that's a pretty irresistible offer. If you're somebody who wants to lose weight, you're like, this dude is going to work with me. And I have a guarantee that in, you know, 90 days, I'm going to lose 10 to 20 pounds. And if I don't, he's going to like, he's going to like, that's amazing. Right. So that's an incredible offer. That's an irresistible offer. It solves a huge problem for somebody, somebody who wants to lose that last 20 pounds because they're like their health is at risk or because I don't know, maybe they're dating and they don't feel attractive and they are not really having a lot of luck on Tinder or whatever it is. Right. So the biggest thing is like, you do just have to solve a problem for people. And then in terms of how you structure the offer, um, that's really up to you. It's like, what do you need to do to get people the result? So for example, like I um, recently reached out to uh, a health coach, honestly, because I've, I've been, I've been working probably too much and I push myself too much and I just, I'll just go, go, go. I'm just like that type of human. And my hormones got a little bit out of whack and I could tell cause my cycle was messed up. And I was like, Ooh, we got to fix this. Cause I've been here before and like, not cool. Right. Um, and so I reached out to her and, and we, and, you know, she was talking about the offer and stuff like that. And she was like telling me how many sessions she had. And I was like, Oh God, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want a lot of sessions. I just want the problem to be solved. Like, I don't care how many sessions you have. I just want the problem to be solved. And so like a lot of times we get caught up in our offers and we're thinking like, Oh, I need to have, uh, you know, uh, I need to do what everyone else is doing. I need to have weekly sessions or I need to have this, or I need to have that. And it's like, you don't need to have anything. You just need to make sure that you can solve the problem. If you don't need a single call with someone to solve the problem, cool. You don't need to put that in your offer, right? And actually that's helpful for people because it's less time, effort, and sacrifice, right? Yes. And so it's just like, what do you need to do to get the person that result? How long does it need to be? And what do you need to do? You know, do they need to track their their calories and their protein? Do they need to, you know, do X amount of workouts per week? Like you need to, if, if someone's coming to you and they want to lose weight, okay, great. How are you doing it? Oh, okay. Well, I get them to track their calories and their protein. Okay, great. Then you need to have a tracker. You need to have trainer eyes or something so that they can track their stuff and make progress on that. Oh, they need workouts. Cool. Well, you better create some freaking workouts for them. Oh, they need some recipes. Cool. You better create some recipes for them. Oh, they don't know how to grocery shop. Cool. You should probably create that too. Right? Like you just want to solve all the freaking problems. Um, and so I think like structurally, the biggest thing is you need to solve a problem and just figure out, okay, how do I need to do that for people? And then there are some other things in the back end. And, you know, Alex Ramosi will talk about this. I also, le- honestly, I learned a lot of the same stuff from James Wedmore, you know, of like 
scarcity, urgency, risk reversal, bonuses, guarantees. Like you need all that stuff if you're going to sell on a masterclass, right? Like the same stuff that Alex will talk about, James will talk about it, a bunch of people will talk about it, right? Um, but you can kind of enhance it. But at its core, you need to solve a problem. And then you just need to have everything in your offer that will solve that problem. Yes. And you know what? I think that actually all of the things that you've just said come after you've gotten that that problem the problem that you're going to solve. And actually, yeah. despite the fact that most of like most people get into coaching being like, well, I want to help people lose fat. It's like they've got the 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 rough goal of what they want to help people achieve. Oh, I just want to help people feel better. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. The, the, they don't, they so often don't get specific enough that they could like repeat that until the end of time that they can create all the content based around that one thing mm-hmm. that they can create an offer that is perfect for solving that very like that specific problem and i think that actually we sometimes we've just got to strip it all back and go back to the basics of what the hell do you even do like what is the actual problem that you solve and then you can find out how you do it what's the best way to do it you know what you know what vehicle are you going to kind of take people along in to actually get that done but I think going back to the initial kind of what do I actually do is huge and like if if you're listening right now and you're a little bit um unclear on your content creation you're unclear on how you actually coach your people so maybe you're like working through trying to create a bit of a framework and you just have no idea a lot of my coaches are intuitive with their approach so they always have a bit of a wishy-washy um, way of working because it's like, well, you know, we just, it de- depends where the person is. It's always an idea, it depends. But I think despite it depending, you still have a very specific problem that you get to solve. And so how would you help somebody go from, well, I just want to help, you know, everybody kind of feel better about themselves or, you know, having a little bit more of a blanket health or mindset or um, confidence approach to their coaching service. So like, say they're a confidence coach or a mindset coach or even a fat loss coach how do we pull out the goods of like exactly what problem they're going to lean into solving instead of just having that kind of wishy-washy I don't want to say intuitive but you know what I mean it's 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 really kind of like it depends coaching yeah totally like a lot of people like probably some people aren't gonna like this answer and that's fine um but like a lot of people have their bio like a lot of people just like having their body like yeah I help people you know sprinkle sparkle dust everywhere and you're like well what does that mean like yeah what are we doing you know um so my first answer for this and this is part of the answer that that people may not like but like I have recently gotten very clear that if you are not willing to get specific I will not take you into my program anymore like two weeks ago or three Mm. weeks ago this is very recent um two or three weeks ago, I went back through every single client that I've ever had and I sorted them all. So this is an, actually an exercise I got from Alex. It's called a common factor analysis. And you take every single client that you've ever had, you sort them from like highest to lowest of like the, the people who've, you know, spent the most with you. They have the highest lifetime value. You vibe with them the best and they got the best results. And I looked only at the top 20% and I was like, okay, what do they all have in common? And a lot of them were health, nutrition, fitness, or business coaches, or they were able to niche down to a very specific niche. Like meaning I had life coaches I started working with and we niched them down to an anxiety coach, something like Mm -hmm. that, right? To where they were solving a very specific problem. And for me, the answer is, and this is, this is like, honestly, like a, I think it's like a huge epidemic in the coaching industry is like, you have to solve a specific problem or else you're going to have to rely on word of mouth, referrals in person and having a lot of conversations. Attraction marketing isn't going to work very well for you. 
So the biggest thing is how would I solve that problem? For some people, I will not take them on. That's the answer. Like, I'm like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, so that's one thing, but I would say there's, there's tons of people that come to me and they're not that specific, like a perfect example. The, the person that I posted the screenshot of today, um, on, on one of my reels, like he's done 18,000, I think $19,300 now in, in May and May's not over. Right. Literally five months ago, he was scared. How am I going to pay rent? And that's because his messaging was super general. He was showing up a ton, but he was, he's branding himself as, as a life coach and that that's fine, but we still need to solve a problem within that. And so when we got on the phone, I asked him a number of specific questions. Like, here's some examples. If you want questions to ask yourself, right? Cool. Who are the people that are coming to you? Like what, when they get on a sales call with you, why are they there? When you say, cool, why are we on the phone today? Cool. What problem are you trying to solve? Like, what do people come to you for? And for him, he was saying like, okay, it's, you know, people come to me and they have PTSD, they have trauma, they have anxiety. Um, you know, some people are suicidal, like all this kind of stuff he was telling me. I was like, all right, cool. Um, who do you like working with the most? What's your favorite person to work with? Like, what are you really fired up about solving? If you had to lock yourself in a coffee shop for, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you could only pick one of these people, which person would it be? Right. So like, what are people coming to you for? Who's getting the best results? Who do you like working with the most? Um, things like that, or you, you basically want to look for patterns. Like sometimes I'll get people on the phone and be like, cool, tell me every single client that you've ever helped. And it's like, oh, Sandra, Kelly, Matt, whatever. And we list them all out. Cool. What was the problem they came to you with? And we list that all out. Okay, cool. What result did they get? And we look for patterns, right? How old were they? Were they male or female? Like, like what problem did you solve for them? And then we kind of find those patterns and, and kind of narrow in from there. So I think if you're looking for some questions to ask yourself, those can be really good because honestly, if you don't nail that piece, you can absolutely be successful for my first 20 K month. I literally had in my, like I was all over the place. What I was actually selling and when helping people with wasn't even the same thing that was in my bio. Like it was, yeah. my niche was like a total nightmare, but guess what I had to do? I had to do a lot of conversations and lead gen and outreach and like attraction marketing wasn't working for me. Right. Because I didn't, how can I attract people if my, I didn't know what I was attracting them to yeah. for? Right. So that those would be my biggest answers is like, you need to kind of put in the work to get clear. Sometimes it's just a decision. Sometimes you just need mm. to decide. Yeah, it's know? just like picking something and rolling with it. And if you don't like it, yeah. you have to tweak. Like your business gets you to evolve over time. A hundred percent. Like ultimately, we're just literally, we're just problem solvers. That's all we do as entrepreneurs. And if you don't solve a problem, cool. How are you creating value? How are you creating value? So it just, sometimes it can be just a decision. Freaking love this. And honestly, <clears throat> am I okay? It feels like this Ooh. is something that a lot of people need to go on. I'm just going to say one more thing. I'm going to give you a little bit of a framework for this too. Um, one place that this very well might be hiding is in your story. So your story is the most powerful asset you have. And like most times, and this is actually, this is a, a nugget of wisdom I got from Alex, but there's, there's uh, basically this company, I think they invest in startups or something like that, but they're called Y Combinator. And like when they look for, uh, you know, businesses that they're going to invest into, they look for founders that have experience, like industry experience, right? If you look at me, I used to teach Instagram for business. I niched it down to Instagram for coaches. Why? Because that's my background. I'm now thinking about niching down to health coaches because they get great results. And I know that industry so well. And so a lot of the times 
an exercise that I'll take people through is give me your backstory. Tell me, how did you find this vehicle? How did you find this thing? What struggles did you go through? So that there's a lot hiding in there. Um, so that's the one thing is like, go back and do some like story work as I call it. And then if you're looking to make sure that you're, you do have a good niche, I usually say like the three P formula, um, plus targeting. So you want to make sure that like, obviously you're passionate about the thing, right? The, the, the coffee shop thing. So that's the first P, uh, the second one is like uh pain point. Like, do they have a big enough pain point? You know, like it's going to be, uh, you'll probably sign more clients if you are, you know, a health coach helping somebody fix hormonal and gut health issues than you will maybe if you're helping someone with like, like general health or, or, or fat loss, right? Like that could be a bigger problem if that makes sense. And then the third P is like purchasing power. And then can you find them? So like go do some story work and then make sure the three P's line up, right? You're passionate about it. There is a pain point, right? A big enough pain point, which will influence their purchasing power, yes. right? Um, and then like, can you find them? Like, can you actually find them online? Because if you can't, then that's going to be, you know, potentially challenging. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. I love that framework so much. And I think that actually the, the finding people is one of the biggest problems for a lot of coaches. It's like just being able to actually know where their people are hiding. Like I got a message, uh, like a question in a question box the other day. And they were like, where are people at? Like, I can't find them. Like, I don't know where to even start looking. I'm like, okay, well, big sign that you need to go back and figure out who your person is then if you just don't know where they are. But also like, yeah. how do you how do you create the the content that really fits with that problem that you solve? How do you, because I mean, you are, I've said it before, even on this episode, like you're a content machine. You do all of the things, you create content daily and you are consistent as hell. And you do it so easily. Like it feels like it comes so easily for you. Where do you find mm -hmm. this content inspo? Once you've got your offer, you know who you're selling it to. Where do you mm -hmm. find all of the inspiration to create that consistent content? I'll ask you the second part. Right. After. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, don't give me too much at once. Uh, I know this that's is it. a great question. But I would say like, you know, we just talked about this, right? Like if your person is here, and, and I guess some people can't really see this. So if your person's at point A, right, they have a problem that they're looking to solve and they want to get to point B and they, they have a solution that they want. Okay, great. Your program should solve that problem for people, right? Your, your product should solve that problem for people. Now, for me, my product does solve that problem for people. And I literally spend most of my day solving that problem with people, right? And so for me, where does a lot of my content comes from? It literally comes from half the stuff that I'm doing with my clients, like in the program, you know? Um, like even the, the, the AFA framework that I just gave you today, right? Attention or no awareness, uh, focus, and then attention or no awareness, focus, and action. There we go. I literally made this up today because I had a client that was struggling. And then now, you know, that was two weeks ago. And then she sent me this win today. She signed her first $1,500 client. And I was like, okay, cool. There's a lesson in here for somebody. Right. And you know, what's the lesson is like, how do you keep yourself going when you're, you know, you're not motivated or like whatever you're focused on the negative, whatever. Right. So like for me, a lot of that content, if your program solves the problem, cool. What are you working on with your clients in your client sessions? What are you working on in your group program? You know, like if you're a business coach and you just got off the phone with, I'm going to try to pick a name. That's not Sandra. Cause I always pick on Sandra. <laughs> if you just got off the phone with Katie and Katie was having trouble closing sales calls. And the reason that Katie was having trouble closing sales calls is because she couldn't answer objections. And the objection that she couldn't answer is the price objection. Then I might then 
you know, you just got off the phone with her and helped her walk her through that. Right. So great. Pick up your phone, go outside, go for a walk and literally be like, uh, you know, if you're not signing clients or you're not closing sales calls, try this. And then it might be like, uh, you know, uh, if you're not closing sales calls, it might be because you suck at objections. Specifically, you might suck at the price objection. Here's an obstacle overcome that you can use to whatever with the price objection. If this was helpful, like and follow for more. Like that's the whole piece of content right there. Does that does that help? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, do you know what? I know that there are going to be and drop us a DM on Instagram if this is you right now. If you are sitting there and you are saying, "How the hell did she just do that though?" Like, how the hell did she just bring that to life? Because I sit here and I like rack my brain trying to bring a piece of content that I know exists. I just don't know how to pull it out of my brain and just chuck it out there into the world. And you just did that so effortlessly. And I find mm-hmm. I find that when whenever I do that with clients and we kind of try to unpick content ideas and things like that, I'm, the amount of times when you can just see their eyes glaze over and they go how the hell did she just just pull that out of her ass like that do you find that that is again something that just comes with practice of just doing it over and over and over again or is there like a a, you know a specific way that we can uh reframe content creation to help coaches go from the idea is in my brain and now it needs to be on paper or in a caption or on a reel how 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 do we connect those two dots Right. So let's let's walk through this. So the first thing that I would say is this the reason that I can do this now and just go on walks and just like film reels and have them posted in 15 minutes. Like if you look at my Instagram account, I'm staring at it right now. I've made 1793 posts. Yeah. So the reason I can give people fast frameworks to like make it happen is because I have posted so many that I figure out what the frameworks are. Right. So that is part of it. But that's like, that's why you hire mentors or that's why you invest in courses or that's why you get the cheat codes. Cause you're like, well, this person, I don't want to figure out 17, almost 1800 posts to get this. So if I was to give you a framework for this, okay, let's say you got off, like, this is a literal exercise I want you to do. So, okay. Let's say you, you do client sessions, make a rule for yourself that you have to, at the end of those client sessions, you have to film a piece of content. This is non-freaking negotiable. All right, great. Just got off the phone with Kendra. I made a decision that I am going to have to put out a piece of content around this. All right. What did I talk with Kendra on? We did something in that 60 minutes. What problem did we solve? Well, she was having trouble closing sales. All right. Great. That was the problem that we solved in that session was closing sales. Great. Now, how did we do that? It was through the objections, right? So you're like, okay, the problem is closing sales. And and maybe it's one thing you worked on. One thing, right? Just rewrite this as a headline. The problem with sales and you did one thing to fix it, right? I don't know. If you are, just rewrite this as a headline. If you're having trouble closing sales, try this one thing, right? That's the headline. That's all you did. You just took the problem that you were solving and you rewrote it into a headline, right? So that's the first piece is the headline. The second piece is you want to tell them like, like, you want to get into what you're going to help them with, but why it's important, right? So you just kind of recap, like if you're having trouble closing sales, it might be because you suck at answering objections, right? So you get more specific about the problem and then you can be like, okay, here's one thing 
to help you get better at objections. And you just literally tell them what you're going to tell them. That's where you like just pretend that you're talking to a friend. The only thing that you really have to think about is the headline, you know? So it's basically like, what's the headline? Ask yourself, what problem are you solving? Turn it into a friggin' headline. Then the second thing is you tell them why it's important, right? If you're not closing sales, it's probably because you suck at objections. Here's exactly how to overcome the price objection. And then you literally just tell them what you're going to tell them. And then the fourth thing is you just make a call to action. If this was helpful, like and follow for more. Done. That's it. So easy when you put it like that. <laughs> and this is it. Yeah. And I think that, that that's the thing. I think so many people just overthink content so much. And I think you're just su- such proof that like it gets to be simple. It gets to be easy. There doesn't have to be any tips, tricks, hacks you know, jazzy things that go over it or high production value, you get to just pick up your phone, go on a walk or make a cup of coffee or sit down at your desk or wherever it is and just create a piece of content that gives value to your audience in some way. Like, and it doesn't have to be deep. It gets to be small, simple, like very, very, I think the simplest pieces of content are actually the the most valuable for a lot of people because hello it's Instagram do you know what I mean we don't want to sit here and read a, yeah. a massive long caption or you know spend hours on the app it's like we we just want to see the thing get the tip get the quick win and move along with our day um and so I think yeah I love everything that you've just said <laughs> I think you just hit on a really good point too like something that you really need to keep in mind when you are creating content and this is honestly something I struggle with I really struggle with 90 seconds on Instagram because it's yeah, not a lot of time like half the time I'm done a 90 second reel and I'm like, dang, I have two points left in this reel and I only covered one of them. Uh Oh, <laughs> and I got to refilm it. Right. So just like think to yourself, what one thing can I give people one thing that is not a lot of time to talk. And if you have a bunch of one things, cool, turn it into a series. And yeah. now you get to write one headline for seven pieces of content. Avoid these sales call mistakes, part one. And you talk about setting a frame. Avoid these sales call mistakes, part two. And you talk about not adequately diving into the problem, right? Avoid, the, you know, just, you could turn that into seven pieces of content. So if you are having trouble keeping it concise, cool, split it up into a real series. They often actually do a lot better because anyone who watches real number seven is like, what was one, two, three, four, five, and six? And yes. anyone who watches number one is like, cool, I want the other seven parts you know yeah a hundred percent and I just I I think as well it's like this is one thing that I tell my clients all the time I'm like if you are someone who's just got too much to say and not enough time to say it that's so such a powerful position to be in because it means you get endless pieces of content from that one thing that you want to talk about and so instead of trying to be perfect and make it amazing and cram it all into that one post like you get to spread it over and let every single post just be a piece of the puzzle to building up that bigger picture of that problem you solve instead of it just being like one massive valuable post that someone doesn't even read because the hook wasn't good enough for them to scroll past. (laughs) Yeah. So if you take nothing away from this, please write a good hook in the headline. And also for the record, like just two other big mistakes I see people making is if you're creating a reel, please don't put all the value in the caption. Nobody reads that on reels. I'm like they just consume the video. So please don't write, you know, create a nice video and then put all your text in the caption because probably people aren't going to read it. And then even if you're creating a carousel post uh, or like if you're creating a a static post, instead of like putting all like a static, you know, image or something, and then you have everything in the caption, I would, I haven't posted a static post, I think in like 
probably over 12 months. Like the only, if I'm, it's reels and all the values in the video or it's carousels and all the values in the swipe. Because it's just, people are, they have the attention span less than a goldfish. So if you were to put all that in a caption, especially if it's a caption below reels, no dice, just no dice. And as well, like the farther you scroll down on that, like if you've got a super long caption, I'm a big, I'm guilty of long caption vibes because I just have too much to say. But I like when you scroll far enough down and even if you really liked the post, right, even if you really, you read every single word of that copy, the likelihood of you scrolling all the way back up again to double tap the post or to save the post or share the post or what, or comment on the post even is so slim. So I think for engagement purposes as well, like having your copy in the actual like grid of Instagram is so much better. Go on. What's the light bulb? You know what? I've actually never thought about that before. That's actually brilliant. I love that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've never considered that. But yeah, they get all the way to the end. They're like, yeah, that was amazing. And they keep scrolling down and they, yeah. forget, they can't even see the like button. hundred I love that. And like, so actually yeah. on that note of like the statics, because you said you haven't done a static in so long. Like, interestingly, I feel like statics are coming back. But again- really? That whole like engagement thing where like you've got to scroll back up to get the to get the double tap. Like I did yeah. a um my post, let's be honest, do dog shit. My engagement sucks. I'm okay with it because that doesn't mean that dreamy clients don't come into my DMs. But as mm. far as like vanity metrics go, we're on the floor and we're okay with it. We both, you know, we're okay with it. But we're not. I have a conversation about that too. Oh my god, okay. Well, let's let's chat on that because realistically, like you are like you've got 5,000 odd followers, right? And you are constantly yeah. drilling, drilling the point home that like, you don't need a big following to make yeah. a lot of money on Instagram. You don't need a big following to have a lot of clients who really value you. And I think like, this is something that I try and tell even my audience on, on the Biz Queen podcast, right? It's like, you don't need a lot of eyes on your posts or on your feed, or you don't yeah. need to go viral. You don't need that virality, but what you do need is the people that are watching to connect with you and to engage with you, like not even to engage with you at first, but just to resonate with what you're saying. So tell me about that. Cause that's the question that I had for you is like, how do you make sure you're getting the right eyes on your feed and like nurturing those people without needing that big following? Yeah. So a, a couple different things. I will just say like, just for context to give people some very tangible numbers, like I have, and I I've only recently crossed 5k. How many people do I have? 5,066. So when I'm even did most of the sales that I'm talking about, I had less than 5,000 people, right? So I don't have a ton of people. Um, I would say the average number of views on my stories is maybe 150 people, maybe. Like I would say somewhere between 100 and 200, but not maybe as high, definitely not like as high as some people, but not as high as you think it would. Like sometimes it's 120, right? Or, or I've seen 80 before, right? Yeah. Even if I scroll back and I look at my posts like right now, like if I look at my feed posts um, now, my, for some reason, my likes in the last week or two are a bit lower. I don't know why I'm not stressed about it, but like 16 likes, 19 likes, uh, 28 likes, 19 likes, 28 likes for the last posts that I've made 46 likes, 27 likes, but I've had, you know, 10 inquiries in the last seven days. So it just, that doesn't mean anything. And like March was like, I don't think we've talked about this yet. March was $120,000 sales month for me. Like these are my numbers. Like I don't have more than 5,000 Instagram followers. 
sometimes I, I don't think I ever really get more, maybe one post has had over 200 likes one post. And most of the times, like probably have a hundred and 40 people, let's say, watching my stories. And so you really don't need 10K plus. You don't need 500 story viewers. You don't need 300 people liking your posts. Like it's just, it's just kind of irrelevant because a lot of times like those people aren't even really people that are going to buy from you anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I so feel this because, and like I talk about this all the time online, but I lose followers daily. Like I, um, I've lost about seven, maybe 8,000 followers over the last year because I changed niche. Like I changed from obviously fat loss coaching to and mindset coaching to business coaching. And so like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say maybe 5% of my followers are my ideal clients now. A lot of them Mm -hmm. are still from like the fat loss um, vibe. And so they're like naturally filtering out. And it's like, if I sat and looked at the numbers and I was like, oh my God, you know, my reels, instead of doing, you know, 10, 20K views, now only do like, you know, a fa- I say only, but like do a thousand compared to that following. It's like, if I was looking at all of these numbers and making them mean something about me or my content, I wouldn't be still here today doing what I'm doing, building a business, like earning more money than ever before. Like I wouldn't be in that position. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, you've just got to chuck the numbers away and focus on yeah. the impact you want to make and the value you want to give. Um, and your people will find you, like they will yeah. find you. Um, but you've got yeah. to be the one, like you said at the beginning, like the input versus the output. It's like, you've got to be the, the one that puts in the work to do the content, to create the posts, to write the captions, to do the reels, to, you know, to just be pouring that value into your Instagram to get the benefit from it. And that doesn't mean, you know, your post gets a hundred thousand views because you put a perfect hook and a like cheeky little clickbait title on it. It means that the 10 people that read that post that really resonated with it because you spoke to their soul so deeply that they literally DM'd you and said, are you in my head? Like it's that, that you want to be looking at. And if, and I know that if you're not getting that right now, there's lots of tweaks that you can be making and they get to be tiny tweaks, by the way, like this isn't like, it doesn't have to be an overhaul of your content, but they get to be the tiny tweaks. But I think if we, mm-hmm. if we keep focus, so many people say to me, I just need more exposure. I just need more people to see my stuff. And I'm like, dude, your, your reels get more views than my reels. And I've got, you know, yeah. five times the amount of followers you have. And I couldn't give a shit about my views. Like, but you need to stop worrying so much about getting views and start worrying about getting content or creating content that converts. Totally. And again, it's back to the inputs and outputs, right? You're like, oh, I want the outcome, but like, cool. Do the behavior. Like, are we writing good hooks and headlines? Are we posting content consistently? Like, are we providing a lot of value? Like, you don't have control over the views, you know? So it's just like, I just do the best I can with the resources that I have available and the things I can control. And I literally can't control how many people like it or how many people view it. I do think it's helpful for feedback for sure. Cause you're like, okay, well that did really well. Why did that do really well? Oh, that did really shit. Okay. Why did that do really shit? But it's just like looking at it with non-judgment and just as feedback versus like failure, I think is like the biggest thing. Yeah. Cause it is sometimes very soul destroying when a post you poured like so many hours of your life into and like took, like took ages to just make sure it was brilliant. Got one like, and you're like, great, thanks mom. But like, give me more people watching this, please. Like this deserved to do so much better. 
But I think it's also just yeah. about being able to like remove uh, yourself from it. And like, uh, so I guess like remove the attachment from each post. So like pouring the yeah. focus on constantly creating stuff that you know is valuable so that in, you know, three weeks time when that post that flopped that you actually were super in love with that didn't do well, so that you're not so butthurt about the fact that that didn't do well, that you can create a different way of explaining that same thing that you know was super valuable to your audience in a way that they will resonate with it. Um, and being mm. able to do that without, you know, taking yourself because that post that you thought was going to go viral didn't. <laughs> totally. 100%. Me. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. I'm so aware of your time. So is there anything that you want to say very quickly on the five kinds of content or do we need an entire podcast episode? I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole on it, but I will just say like very, very high level, five kinds of content um, that convert like other than selling on my stories daily, which a lot of people don't do enough of and having comments and DMs like this was a huge lever for that 120K month. Um, but like the first one is frameworks. So if you can share some frameworks, that implies that you have credibility and authority. That implies you have a process. There's a framework in the reel I just put out today, right? The second one is testimonials, social proof. Guess what's in the post that I just put out today? There's social proof built into it, right? Um, the third one is belief. I call them like belief surgery content. So shifting beliefs that people have, you remove the ones that people shouldn't have and you uh, add the ones that maybe would be helpful for them to have, right? Um, the fourth one is tips, which we talked a lot about. Honestly, sometimes people overdo this one. Like it's all tips, but there's no belief shifting. There's no social proof. It's like, well, thank you for all the tips, but like, why should I trust you? Do you have results? Do you have a process? Like those sorts of things. Um, and then the fifth one is like problem aware. Cause some people aren't aware that they even have a problem, you know? Um, so making some people don't have the awareness yet. So you need to give them that awareness. Um, so really quickly, those are, the, those are the five kinds of posts, but we, we can, we can glaze over it. It's, it's all good. I know we're at time. Yeah, a hundred percent. Do you know what though? I think even that is just like valuable in itself to just look at those different types of different ways to create content because you're so right. I think everybody's the tip and trick queen and not enough people add that context, add that experience, add that social proof to, to give you that credibility and authority. So love, love everything that we've spoken about today. So much value in this. Like if you have not listened to the podcast, if you have not written at least 18 pages of notes, uh, go back, start the episode again and start writing those notes. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you, Morgan? And what are the two lovely cheeky little gifts you've got for us? Did you say cheeky little gifts? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So the easiest place to find me, really the only social platform that I have is like the only place to find me. Uh, it's just at I am Morgan Gillis on Instagram. The greatest thing about my Instagram is you can literally see everything that I'm telling you. You can see the hooks. You can see the headlines. You can see the types of content. You can see how I sell my stories. You can see how I have my Instagram set up like a sales funnel and how I have the pin post structured. You can see literally my whole strategy. Um, so if you want to steal my whole strategy, just go follow me on Instagram. And there's a ton of value. Hopefully that comes out. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is I would say uh, something that I'm going to do for your people. I've never done this on a podcast before. So Another thing that we're not doing on podcasts. Yeah, this is um, like everything's exclusive here. Everything's exclusive. I, there's actually all, well, the other two, yeah, the two of these gifts, I, I haven't given any of these out yet. Um, so I will say like, uh, if you are somebody and you find that you're, you know, you're maybe not sure you're niche your ideal client, you're like, how's my bio look? How does my content look? How's my stories look? Um, for the first five of you that DM me the word audit, I'm just going to 
audit your Instagram account. So like, I'll give you a, a loom video, I'll film you like a 10 minute loom video. And I'll be like, Hey, this is what I see. This needs to change. This is where your content needs to change. This is what I see that you're missing on stories. Da, 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 da. Um, so for the first five people that DM me audit, cool. I'm happy to do that. Um, and then the other thing is, and this is for anyone who wants it. Um, so that month I did in March, um, like I said, that was like $120,000 sales month. Uh, some people did come in through a masterclass. I would say maybe, maybe 20% of them did, but the other 80% of them, um, I didn't even run a sales call. I sold all in the DMS. And so if you're somebody like maybe you're a coach and you don't want to do sales calls anymore, like you've already been doing sales calls and you want maybe more time in your calendar, you want more flexibility, et cetera. Um, DM me, DM me the words selling in the DMS. And I will send you a mini course that literally shows you the exact seven step process, an exact video of me going like start to finish on a sale. Like it's like an hour long video of like, this is exactly how you do it. Um, a checklist and all the things. So those are the three gifts. Following me for free value is number one. Number two is the audit. I'm just going to give that to five people. And then number three is the selling in the DMs mini course. So that's it. That's all. Amazing. So much value in that. Thank you so much for being here um, and just spilling all the tea with us today. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Yay.